guys, and welcome to episode one of the Grounds and Leaves Theology Podcast. Exciting, exciting! <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so yeah, this uh, first episode, we decided a good one to start with would be tackling the question of why is the church gathering essential? And I know essential can almost be a trigger word these post-COVID days. <laughs> and of course, uh, that'll be an element of this question that we're going to be tackling. But really, this is a question with significance that reaches far beyond even just the uh, element of COVID. And really, I think it's uh, one that even outside of the question of restrictions and all of that, some Christians are struggling with these days and maybe just in general experience too. I mean, I think we've all heard pastors give their welcome to the online community. So there's kind of in that even a validation of a stay-at-home kind of church. There's not really a call or a push. It's like, you're a believer. You need to get over here in a sense. Uh, But yeah, there's, of course, a little bit of nuance to all of that question and all those little subtopics within it. But we'll get into that, of course. But yeah, that's where we're heading today. And as the question asker, I will be kind of directing where we go with the conversation. We have taken notes, but... We don't have a script or anything, so we're kind of winging it here. First episode, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. We'll make adjustments as as we need to. So the first thing that I want mm-hmm. to open with is, like, what are the expectations that are presented to us in the Bible? Mm-hmm. Um, how often should we be meeting together? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll start with that. Start with that. We'll start with that. <laughs> How often should the church gather together? Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. Um, and so I think the picture painted in scripture is probably a gathering that was more frequent, actually, than what mm. we tend to do now. Uh, we see the believers are constantly together, whether it's in the temple at the time or in each other's homes or what have you. So, yeah, they didn't have specific church uh, buildings like we have today, but at the same time, their fellowship was almost somewhat of a more ongoing thing. Uh, but I do think at the minimum, we do have to say the Sunday gathering uh, is really important simply because, uh, well, we know that is the time where we come together to have the word preached. That's where communion is given out. That's where we meet the larger body of believers. I mean, we can have uh, times of good fellowship with our smaller groups or our friends who are Christians as well throughout the week. Uh, but even to maintain this picture of the body Christ that is uh, multi-generational to show forth the idea that Christ unites the unlikeliest of people, I think the Sunday gathering is really important for that. And throughout scripture, you do see uh, believers gathering together on the first day of the week uh, in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, I believe it is. There's mention of how they gathered to break bread, a common way of referring to communion back then. Uh, there's hints of it in other letters that Paul writes, such as in 1 Corinthians uh, 16. He tells the church there to, on the first day of every week, set aside a certain amount of money, not quite the equivalent of tithing, but still the idea of offering. And that was specifically for the struggling Jews 
after a famine at the time. But anyways, we do see this idea of gathering on the first day of the week presented in scripture. And the reason for that is because the Sunday service is supposed to be this kind of mini celebration of the resurrection. Like we all obviously have the biggest and ultimate one on Resurrection Sunday, Easter, whatever you call it, in March or April. Uh, but the reason we gather on Sunday is in commemoration of the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And so I really do think that that Sunday gathering, at least, is the minimum we have to say. Mm. But ideally, you want to be in a community of, of believers far more frequently than that. Oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. And um, you kind of already addressed this, but... Mm-hmm. Um, that being on Sunday, like, mm-hmm. is that, would you say that that is more biblical that mm-hmm. it be on Sunday or is mm-hmm. it just more church tradition that yeah. has just, that's how it's been over the years. Right. And is it important to be on the Sunday? Mm, yeah. Or like, could it be on a Thursday? Yeah, <laughs> as long as it's once during the week right yeah anyway quite honestly that's a pretty loaded question because we're talking already about the uh distinction between scripture and tradition mm-hmm. I, I do think it's important though because i do think at times as protestants we have the tendency to kind of dismiss tradition what's passed down to us as irrelevant but even mm-hmm. scripture tradition is upheld like for example in first corinthians 11 paul says that he praises them for holding on to the traditions that he passed on to them and so again it's just tradition really just means that which is passed down and so uh even if it's not an explicit command in scripture gather on sunday because it's not to be honest Mm -hmm. uh we don't want to discount the importance of tradition and the tradition of what the church did do that we do see in scripture does seem to be in favor of a Sunday gathering. And that is, again, how the church uh, worked through it in throughout their history, too. And that seems also to be on top of just the general gathering they would have in the Sabbath the day, the day before, too. So it was like uh, there's actually more than one gathering that we can see in scripture's tradition and in church history there. So. I would say that even though it's not an explicit command in scripture, it is important just because we don't want to dismiss the standard church practice for 2,000 years as completely irrelevant to us. Uh, So we definitely want to pay heed to that. And again, it goes in with commemorating the day of the Lord's resurrection. There's a reason we do gather on Sunday. While we should say that that is important and we want to emphasize it according to romans 13 or sorry romans 14 i should say uh some will esteem one day as holy some will esteem esteem every day alike but the point is to uh do it to the lord so if you're going to advocate let's not do it sunday let's make sure you're actually doing that to the lord and not just for your own selfish (laughs) reasons right Mm -hmm. okay all right so now that we have kind of established, like, what are the expectations? What does the Bible kind of say about the church gathering in general? Um, I want to address a phrase that lots of people use, and we've definitely had conversations about this phrase before. Mm. So the misuse of the phrase, the church is a people, not a building. Yeah. Um, 
I can recognize that as it's true, yes. Sure. Mm-hmm. But it also cannot deny the importance of gathering together in one place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I'll just get you to expand a little bit on that. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. And yeah, again, we want to acknowledge it is absolutely true that the church is a people. It's not a building. I mean, we already talked about how they didn't have official church buildings uh, when uh, Christianity uh, mm-hmm. first started. Um, however, they, the reality is it is a people. It's okay. not a person, <laughs> right? It's very true. <laughs> it's, so it's not an individual thing. So uh, when you try to use the phrase, the church is a people, not a building to kind of say is like the church doesn't need it to gather that completely it's just self-contradictory because mm. church really what it means from the greek word ekklesia it means assembly what do assemblies do they gather they assemble <laughs> they <laughs> assemble exactly and so we do, so say church isn't a building just go be the church wherever you are well part of being the church includes assembling yes you can uh, be in a more uh, broad sense, a follower of Christ and do your individual uh, deeds of faith, give to the poor. Yes, uh, shine the light of Christ, even as an individual, wherever you are. But if you're going to be the church, by the very definition, that's going to require assembling together. Mm. And so, and yeah, we happen to assemble in a building. So we just don't want to uh, make the mistake of dismissing the need for gathering when we use a phrase like that. Yeah, because the fact is the very phrase is saying it's the people. Yeah. The people. Exactly. That you are with. Yeah. As a group. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely, yeah. Okay, yeah, totally. That makes total sense. Okay, mm. now we're going to jump into the topic that everybody relates to this. COVID. Mm. <laughs> Ominous. So, I'm going to be talking about Okay, well, the first thing I'm going to say is when churches were actually, like, closed. When they were closed, closed. Mm. I would say that the phrase, the church is a people, not a building, would encourage them to keep keep worshiping. Um, Like, being alone and isolated caused a lot of people to Mm -hmm. be discouraged and just feel down. So that phrase probably helped them to continue worshiping so in that way i think it would be good what are your thoughts so yeah absolutely uh a church closing its doors and we do recognize that uh there is a lot of gray area in the subject of covid and that neither of us are pastors i mean i'm in the midst of application processes for that but i haven't had to yet deal with the stress of ministry and we do want to respect that even as we uh, give our take on what the answer to this question should be but i do think it is safe to say that closing the doors of one's church indefinitely is just not a wise move uh, because again of what it communicates uh, namely in what type of health are we prioritizing because yes, we, yeah, we have our physical health concerns, but ultimately you talked about the mental distress that people underwent mm-hmm. during this time. I myself went through that. And again, the spiritual health that people need and fellowship with other believers is again, essential to this idea of spiritual health. And so 
I really do believe that pastors who are meant to be shepherds of the church should not be turning the sheep away from their doors. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree that, yeah, for a long period of time, the church should not be closed. But I do think that the fact that there was online church during the short time where churches actually were closed, I know that they weren't like fully closed. They just had restrictions for a long time. Mm -hmm. But for the first couple weeks, maybe they were like shut down. Mm -hmm. And I do think that having online helped people encourage them in still worshiping, even though the church was closed. But I am glad that that did not happen for long no yeah and i mean of course like there's some benefit in the online uh church type of thing in the recordings of worship and sermons so i don't want to deny the benefit but just because something can be used for good or can have benefits doesn't mean this is what's right and this is how it should be for sure yeah agreed Mm. so yeah you kind of addressed this already Mm. but like the line between there's danger yeah. health and okay now we need to meet together yeah like where where is that line right and so really and i recognize churches have their different ways of handling the restrictions uh that were put out the way i think of it though is there are different spheres of authority that god has given and he has given the government a certain sphere of authority. Personally, according to Romans 13, uh, what I believe that authority is that God has given them is to promote justice and execute punishment on the wrongdoer. Uh, so kind of maintaining order in that society in general. So, for example, I would say the government came and told us, like, you can't eat strawberries anymore. <laughs> okay, like what... I think they are now extending past their uh, sphere of authority. And I recognize that might be a little bit of a ridiculous example, but kind of communicates at least the essential idea that I really do believe there are limits to the authority that God has given them and that therefore discernment is required in whether civil obedience or civil disobedience is the appropriate response when they put something up. In general, yes, we do want to be submissive to the government because that is a um, good uh, representation of Christ who himself was submissive, even though being God in the flesh. So we Mm -hmm. do want to uh, hold to that same mindset that he had. Um, But yeah, so, and what I also find interesting just about some of these restrictions, right, is like there were a number of people promoting, for example, the use of masks. And sometimes under the guise of saying, you need to do this because you need to love your neighbor, right? Mm-hmm. And so tying the idea is like, if to, to love your neighbor, you need to put on a mask. But they only said that so long as the government mandate was out. As soon as, mm-hmm. the, gov- as, soon as the mandate's taken away, no longer is that connection uh, between loving your neighbor and mask made. Interesting. And so I think it's really fickle to say that I'm only being... Uh, faithful to a cer- certain command of God as it's defined by a government mandate, right? And so, again, churches have different ways of handling that, but I do want to recognize just these ideas, again, of limits 
to the sphere of the government's authority in the principle of that, and then also not elevating uh, these things which Christians disagree on to the level of law, because I think that's a classic example, really, of legalism, I would say. Uh, yeah, I'm not okay. sure if that answers your question, if you want to uh, rephrase it again or push back or whatever. I, I think that answers the question, okay. yeah. Um, what about, like, do you think there's any exceptions where um, mm. not gathering with the church either individually, like as an mm. individual, or like the church not meeting together? Like, is there ever a time right. where that's acceptable too? Right. And so, so let's talk about the individual level first. Yeah. We can recognize there are people with significant health problems who are bedridden mm -hmm. as a result. Physically, they can't get out of their house. And so um, for people in that situation, I would definitely say that's an exception. I'm not going to say you're guilty for not going to church <laughs> if uh, that's the situation you're in. Yeah, I have, for sure. Really, I do think in that case, a burden might fall more on the congregants. And I've heard really inspiring stories, actually, from classmates at Prairie, uh, one classmate in particular who her church had a member who was in that kind of situation. They were stuck at home, couldn't leave. Uh, but the uh, congregants would go over, bring her uh, food, a DVD of the sermon, spend time with her. Oh. Right? And so that's what being the church yeah. really does look like. It's like not just bringing her a DVD of the sermon, right? Because we mm -hmm. don't want to reduce church to that. They also yeah, brought sure. real fellowship. Yeah, to it's the fellowship it's that's the, fellowship. the gathering of the church. Yeah, yeah for sure. Mm -hmm. And so that's great. Yeah, no, I think more churches need to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, this this is what it looks like to love each other. Yeah, because it's like we're praying for these people all the time, mm. but are we actually making an effort to go and visit them and bring them food? I know my mm -hmm. my mom was always really good about visiting the ladies that couldn't get to church and yeah yeah it's it's something more people need to do like it needs to be a ministry in itself almost yeah no i would definitely say that uh and it comes down to really this idea of uh presenting the letter of first john don't love in word only but in deed and mm -hmm. in truth mm -hmm. uh, so i think that's a really good example of that uh then in terms of the okay what about how we respond, how the church should respond as a corporate, at a corporate level. Mm -hmm. um, and so with that, I think some of the examples that actually got brought up in COVID were like, okay, well, if there's an earthquake, you're probably not going to gather. Okay. So, and I mean, I might have a quibble with equating COVID <laughs> with a natural disaster of that scale. Um, but at the same time, okay, we do recognize there are, occasional situations where gathering just isn't uh prudent mm. however in a situation like that um it's not an indefinite thing mm -hmm. like covid was presented yeah. to us too right there is no end in sight and i think that's a real problem we can't mm -hmm. like we can recognize okay missing one sunday to respond to an emergency situation. Yeah. Okay, that's one thing. But when you're now saying, we don't know when we're going to be together again, I think yeah. that's where a problem arises. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
totally makes sense. Yeah. All right. So this brings us to a topic mm-hmm. that we've discussed at great length <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because we are both very passionate about mm-hmm. this yeah. particular For sure. instance. Yeah. So as most of you know, this past Christmas, 2022, yeah. mm-hmm. fell on a Sunday. So a lot of churches decided not to have a service. They had their Christmas Eve service and mm. said, we're not going to do a Christmas morning service. A few also canceled New Year's Day. Not as oh. many, but some. I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> Great. (laughs) So, as you may be able to tell by my tone, I was, well, neither of us were a fan of this decision. Mm. We thought, what better day to go to church in the morning than Christmas morning? Like, it's about Jesus. That's what we always say. Mm -hmm. It's about Jesus, not the presents. Um, So, yeah, we were both like what in the world why would you cancel church on christmas and new year's day like now that i know they did that (laughs) i'm even less on board with that (laughs) (laughs) now a lot of people's excuses was Mm. um we want to spend the morning with our family and just spend time with our family Mm. which again I personally (laughs) don't think it's a good argument. Like, Mm. God gave you your family. Christmas is about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like, take your family to church. That's your family activity in the morning. Yeah, it's strange why people can't consider church family time. Considering it's just really meeting with what you might call your extended or second family because the church there's a reason the bible uses such familial terms to describe the body of believers yeah brothers and sisters come on let's okay you want family time let's go have family time and worship our lord and to me when i was growing up we always went to church we were on vacation we find a church to go to i'm really grateful for the importance that my parents put on going to church and yeah, it was family time. I saw grandma and grandpa at church. I sometimes saw aunt, aunts and uncles at church. Mm-hmm. I got to see friends. Like, yeah. there's no better family time than church. No, it's true. And I mean, of course, <laughs> not all families, of course, are Christian, each member. So yeah. there, there may be uh, some individuals like, okay, well, if I go to church, that is going to mean leaving uh, my immediate home family, mm. house family uh, for the duration of the service but again what are we actually communicating to people when we choose to stay at home Mm -hmm. rather than gather yeah as Mm -hmm. believers right and so as i and i think it comes down to kind of these what i might call actual versus preferred values actual values are ones that you live out actively Mm -hmm. you can say i value this and it's shown true in your life Preferred values are the ones you kind of say you have or the ones you would like to have. But when push comes to shove, they don't really play out mm. in, in real time. And so it's like, okay, often we do say, you know, uh, Jesus over everything. Jesus first over, and that includes family yeah. too, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, Jesus himself said, if anyone comes to me and do not love 
me more than their father, mother, brother, sister, and so on. And again, our point isn't to communicate some holier-than-thou attitude or say, or to judge people's hearts and say, you clearly just don't love Jesus and are not worthy of being his disciples, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not uh, the point we're trying to make. The point we're trying to make is how do the values you claim actually play out in your life? Because I'm sure none of us want there to be an inconsistency with that. We want to be consistent with what we say is actually our priority, that Jesus actually is a priority, priority and that we go to worship him. And to use Christmas Day to say that this is going to be the day we're not going to gather with the church. It, mm-hmm. The message that communicates, well, it's just confusing, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but even uh, like one of our prof- old professors, uh, Carmen, she, because I made a little Facebook rant about this very issue uh, back when it was uh, more of a hot topic. Uh, and she commented how in her days of growing up, didn't matter whether it was a Sunday or not, on a Christmas day, they would come together as a church because the day really is to, again, commemorate uh, the birth of Christ. And yes, okay, no, the Bible doesn't tell us December 25th is his birthday. (laughs) We know that. But again, it comes back to this whole thing of not scorning uh, tradition, recognizes like, okay, we, at the same time, this is what the church has upheld uh, throughout its history as the day to commemorate Christ's birth. And I mean, you're celebrating anyway, so why not celebrate through worship? Yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So mm-hmm. another another thing I've heard you say, which yeah. I don't fully understand mm-hmm. yet myself um, <laughs> for this particular argument, is that yeah. humans are embodied creatures. Yeah. I don't have a specific question. Just what in the world do you mean by that? Sure. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I only really know what's meant by this phrase because it was drilled into me and a bunch <laughs> of other classmates over the past semester at Prairie. Like mainly in our one class integrative seminar, it was a constant running theme, but then it was showing up in all our other texts for all our other classes too. It was like, what is this? It was like a <laughs> little conspiracy. But yes, uh, the idea of being presented and all our text was this idea that humans are embodied creatures, which really is to say that uh, our bodies, like our physical being, is actually a significant part of us. Not just in the sense that, yeah, it's, you know, it's not just a container for who I really am, uh, <laughs> as is sometimes the way it's presented, but actually what I, the practices I form in my body form who I am as a person. So, I mean, muscle memory even is kind of classic example of how it really does affect your day-to-day behavior. But this reality that through my sight, what I hear, uh, like smell, touch, all of that, they communicate a story. They communicate a message to me and they uh, form who I am. And so kind of this the idea and how it connects to gathering as a church is the sense that me being in person at church, hearing the chorus of believers singing songs of praise, seeing people face to face, that's not not insignificant. Mm-hmm. That's something that's really powerful for mm-hmm. encouraging, me, encouraging me in the moment and developing 
who I am as a person and as a disciple of Jesus. And so I think sometimes we're too quick to dismiss what in some ways is almost self-evident, just the reality of how beneficial it, for it, it is for us to look one another in the eyes, mm. to hear each other's uh, voice uh, right there in real time, mm. real space. And so that's uh, how that issue, I think, connects to this topic. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like touching on your emotions too. Yeah. yeah. The thing is like we're holistic beings. So mm-hmm. right, like the physical affects the emotions, the emotions affects the mental, the spiritual, and they all they all affect each other, really. Mm. And we have to recognize that because we're, we are holistic beings, we can't cut out one element without significant repercussions. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I understand now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's jump into some of what does yeah. scripture actually command. Sure. Like, sure. Get into the Bible. Get into the Bible. Cause... So we're grounded in the Bible. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that is kind of the point of what, uh, what we're doing here. Yeah. Uh, so I did uh, bookmark one verse in particular. I mean, we've mentioned some already. Yeah. And we'll probably mention more. But one that I would just want to quote directly. And uh, if you know your Bible and you've heard the uh, people talk, you, you'll know this is coming. But it's Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. And this is what... The text says there, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so we see what is presented as a command uh, in the text of Hebrews that, like, Hebrews is all designed to encourage people to not abandon Christ because Christ is better than anything else, really. Mm -hmm. And so, and part of staying true to Christ and keeping yourself from drifting away from the faith is not giving up meeting together with the body of believers. Because what the uh, church community is designed to do, as it's put here, is to spur one another on toward uh, love and good deeds. And so fellowship is a way not just of receiving encouragement but actually being moved to action right because not only do you i mean hear the summons in the sermon but then you're surrounded by people who in their own sphere of life are trying to put the faith into practice and i mean that's inspiring uh in its own way like i've heard for example someone say that if you want to get better at evangelism, surround yourself with the weirdos who do it all the time, (laughs) right? And so, yeah, uh, just being in this community, it motivates love. It motivates uh, good deeds, and that's uh, the importance of it. And what it says here is all the more, as you say, the day approaching. So really, evil, evil days don't call for gathering less. They call for gathering more. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so in terms of uh, command, that's what that's probably the most explicit one we have to in the Bible to say, go and gather with the body of Christ. Um, but besides that, there is kind of more maybe in a more implicit sense. But you read throughout all of uh, the epistles in the New Testament. A lot of the commands given there are one another commands. Mm. For example, it's like uh I mean, greet one another with a holy kiss, of course. We might uh, 
try to figure out a modern way of applying that. But still, this idea, it's a one another command. A holy handshake. Holy handshake, sure. <laughs> something, something along those lines. Uh, but also, uh, uh, give thanks for one, one another. Address one another with spiritual songs, songs from the Spirit. And a lot of the commands are phrased in this way that inherently requires that you are doing them to one another, with one another. And so that's the picture of the commands. Or sorry, the what I should say is the picture that the commands given to the churches in the Bible gives us is one of that only makes sense in a community setting, mm-hmm. right? And so, again, just maybe it seems self-evident in some ways, but to fulfill the commands of Scripture and to be the church is going to require require meeting with one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, just the amount of times that Jesus met with people and fellow mm-hmm. Christians and mm-hmm. had meals with people. That's why Baptists like their potlucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, meals are significant. It's biblical. Yeah, it's biblical. <laughs> no, meetings are absolutely significant. And of course, your what we might call quiet time, your individual time with God is good too. Jesus had his fair share of that too, going out early in the morning into lonely places to pray to the father but that doesn't negate uh the communal aspect of the faith too Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, for sure Mm -hmm. so the next thing on our little list Mm -hmm. is making sacrifices for obedience Mm -hmm. and you talked about like overcoming things like social anxiety or Mm -hmm. past church hurt yeah and so the idea I want to get at there is like, of course, we do recognize that things like social anxiety, pastor church are real thing. I mean, yourself, you struggle with social anxiety. Yeah. You're always <laughs> playing with a little anxiety when yeah. you're everywhere in church. So, I mean, it's a, it's a real thing that can cause, uh, well, stress, stress. <laughs> um, but at the same time, for yourself, that doesn't stop you from actually going to church because you recognize uh, it's important, right? And, mm-hmm. it, and yeah. I think that's the idea I want to get at here that, you know, sometimes we think that, you know, obedience to God's command, if we're doing it right, is going to feel natural in a sense. It's not mm-hmm. going to cause us uneasiness because we do kind of have this implicit disconnect in our minds, I think, between, well, discomfort and discipleship. That was kind of my big uh, mm. thing with my paper, one of the... Uh, this past semester but the reality is that obedience to god uh at least in an initial sense is not always at first going to be easy Mm -hmm. of course as you continue to engage in it and as you go through the process of sanctification and you continue to be formed as a believer yeah it will it will start to get easier and it will become uh, more natural uh but there are just uh, some things that are harder than harder than others. For example, uh, patience. Right? S- for some people, patience can be a real struggle. It's like mm-hmm. certain believers have—I mean, all believers have their own struggles. But some will have a quick temper, and for them, the command to be patient is going to be perhaps one of the more difficult ones as they are going through this process of discipleship. But just because there's that initial uh, discomfort or that initial difficulty doesn't mean that this is what you still need to uh, do and actively be putting into practice. Mm -hmm. And more specifically with the 
uh, church hurt one. I mean, we can recognize some people have been deeply hurt uh, by their churches, whether that was actually the fault of the church through a bad pastoring or uh, fellow congregation uh, members. Perhaps it was a misunderstanding. Like we don't uh, always know what the situation actually was. But throughout scripture, the command is forgive one another, mm -hmm. right? You can't go into church expecting that you're not going to have to forgive each other. Yeah, because we are, we're all sinful humans. Exactly. And so giving up a church on the basis of hurt by uh, a congregant or a, a pastor, I, I really don't think in a lot of cases is a valid reason for discarding the command to assemble together altogether. Of course, you might want to make an exception just to go to an extreme example, if a pastor was accused of like sexual assault, mm. right? And that's a dangerous situation. That's a somewhat different case. But being offended or uh, losing a friend, experiencing difficult people, experiencing the reality that a lot of people are hypocrites mm. and their what they say are their values don't always match up with how they live. None of those are valid reasons for uh, leaving the church or discarding the need to meet together because yeah uh you're one of them too <laughs> <You're> <laughs> and like with the past church hurt thing mm -hmm. if you are genuinely hurt like in a church in a way that you're like okay i do have to leave this church like it's not a healthy place for me anymore yeah you can't hold that hurt against another hurt church right and mm -hmm. just be like no church is not for me everyone's terrible yeah. <laughs> everyone is terrible but that includes you <laughs> yeah so it's like sometimes we just fail to recognize the uh degree of our own our own sin the we fail to re realize the portrait the bible paints of us too that we're included in that uh description of people who are have like the venom of vipers in our tons mm -hmm. and, and we're quick to look to ways to do evil and all that but yeah mm -hmm. yeah so this kind of wraps up our main topics here of discussion mm -hmm. but i just wanted to explain like why this is such an important topic mm -hmm. and i mean i'm sure some of that's already <laughs> been coming through but just oh, wanna, for sure just want to leave you with a couple uh specific kind of ending notes yeah for sure um so one thing that we both have noticed mm. um which is very sad and should not be happening mm. is that since covid attending and if you're just listening you can't hear my air quotes but attending <laughs> church online mm. has become a lot more acceptable if you're weekly norm is watching services online mm -hmm. it's become so that that's okay but it's not like you need the fellowship you need like you need to see people everybody needs people people need people mm -hmm. just in general but especially christians need each other to lean on to to gather together like we were talking about at least once a week yeah and probably more yeah and i mean of course covid did have a way of forming a number of habits uh that maybe we didn't engage in before mm -hmm. and so include 
perhaps that included for you just forming the habit of staying at home on a Sunday morning. But mm -hmm. the, the problem going forward is just is that that hasn't really been addressed either on an individual level or all too much from the pulpit. Some individuals aren't convicted in their minds that they need to go to church. They're fine with the habit. And that's kind of the purpose of the podcast is to break out of that mold. Uh, but also, I really do think it would be helpful recognizing what the testimony of scripture is if pastors from the pulpit would also address the need and mm -hmm. the importance of coming uh, to a church. It's like, hope, not just saying, hope you're enjoying from your lazy boy in your pajamas, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's become too normalized mm. to um, sit at home in your pajamas with your coffee mug. But it's still church, and we're still coming to worship God, and it deserves some reverence, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. not just the fact that we need other Christians, but mm. sitting in our lazy boy in our pajamas, like, I think the God who created us de deserves a little more than that. <laughs> no, right? And that goes back again to uh, what I mentioned about being embodied creatures. How you are engaged in church, like, if it is with your... Uh, coffee in hand as you're lazing around maybe scrolling on your phone as the pastor's preaching yeah. those physical actions are whether you realize it or not are forming a belief and thought pattern in you that really does ultimately display an irreverence uh for god and what he has instituted mm -hmm. yeah i know i definitely found it a lot easier at home to mm -hmm. just scroll on my phone during the sermon and like that's that's not okay <laughs> like yeah it's okay yeah. you have to say that that is not it's not, it's okay. not. <laughs> right like we're uh, we're uh, people who never likes to draw the line in the sand mm -hmm. but we we need to do that at some point and i think that is certainly a point at which it needs to be done yeah mm -hmm. for sure yeah um the other thing that i don't think we really have addressed yet okay yeah. is church hopping yeah Mm -hmm. um like it is so important mm -hmm. to find a church and stay in it mm -hmm. not like oh i'll try this one this week this one next week yeah make my rounds right but you need to get like to actually be part of a church you need to get involved you need mm -hmm. to do things and like it makes you feel more a part of the family too not just right. hey i come here on sunday and that's it well, yeah, and I mean, it's a very individualistic way of approaching church, church hopping, because, I mean, it comes out of this idea of consumerism, like, what can the church mm -hmm. give to me, mm -hmm. right? It's like, and, and again, that's going to form how you think about faith. Faith is about what the church can give to me. Faith is about what God can give to me. It's not actually about self-denial, like Jesus mm. said of it. It's about taking up your cross daily uh, and following him, right? And again... You're talking about getting plugged in. Yeah, it's, of course, easier to connect with people and uh, serve when you're regularly attending a local church. But also with that, the reality of accountability uh, goes in with that, too. When mm. you're regularly meeting with people, yeah, they can hold you accountable. They can check in with you. And so, of mm, course, true. with gathering with the church, we also do want to emphasize the importance of establishing a mentored kind of relationship that can help with that. But again, you're only going to be able to do that in the context of regularly attending a local community. Yeah, yeah, mm. totally. Mm. 
all right i think that pretty much wraps it up i will let you have a few concluding words okay uh yeah so essentially uh we just want to say that yeah the church is essential yes (laughs) that's essentially (laughs) what it comes down to and that's not that's not a point of debate as much as how a church might have implemented restrictions could be considered that the reality that church gathering together is needed is presented clearly in scripture both in its implicit testimony of what the church did and in its explicit commands to not give a uh, meeting together and so much the more as we see the day of christ's return coming these are evil days i mean that's kind of one of the reasons we're hoping this podcast can be a good resource for you mm-hmm. because we want to keep you grounded in evil days. But yep. ultimately, this podcast is not the main thing that's going to keep you grounded. Submitting to God's word is what's going to yeah. do that. And one of the things that the word tells us is that if you want to stay grounded, keeping from drifting away from the faith, that means engaging in a local church. Mm-hmm. So if it's Sunday and you're listening to this, turn it off and go to church (laughs) because that's far more important than even what uh, we hope to be doing here. For sure. Yeah. All right. But yeah, uh, I think that about wraps it up uh, for episode one. So thank you all for listening, for tuning in wherever you are. Uh, So again, we're Grounds and Leaves Theology Podcast, and we'll have more episodes coming out to you in the future. Uh, But yeah, until next time. Let me just uh, turn it over briefly to Ash because I think she has one more thing to add here. I was just going to say that we are Grounds and Leaves podcast on Instagram. I run that. So if you want to direct message with any ideas for topics, if you want to keep updated when new episodes are coming out, that's where to find us. Well, then, until next time, this has been Grounds and Leaves Theology Podcast, keeping you grounded in the Bible. When others leave the faith.